0: Hey there and welcome to We're Just Hairdressers, a podcast founded on the belief that stylists around the world can be passionate about the artistry of hair design and use their talents to build wealth. I'm your host, Tara Harville. Society tends to look down on hairstylists and doesn't see us as the business savvy individuals we are. This podcast is all about showing fellow stylists and society that you don't have to choose between being a hairstylist and a wealth builder. We can run a successful company even though we're just hairdressers. I am so excited for episode six where I'll be talking with the super talented stylist Melissa McNabb. She's the owner of Sweet Melissa Salon in Nashville and has styled many familiar faces in the country music industry. Let's say hello to Melissa McNabb.
1: Hey. Hello. hello. Melissa.
0: Hi. I have been so excited and looked forward to chatting with you today. I, of course, loved hanging out with you in Nashville, and I can't wait to see you again, I think, in just, uh, what, another week or so? Yeah, it's like two weeks. I'm already looking forward to it. I cannot wait. Well, I mean, there's a lot of things that I could talk to you about because I feel like you are just a wealth of knowledge, and I feel like you do it all. But I want to start, I want you to tell everyone about your background, like where you're from, and what made you decide to become a hairstylist.
1: Well, I am from a little town in eastern North Carolina. It's called Kenston. Um, Nobody really, nobody around here really knows where it's at. But I'm just a little town there that I grew up, honestly, kind of, I can remember from a really early age wanting to do hair. I don't, I mean, from cutting Barbie dolls and baby dolls hair and doing my sister's hair and makeup when I was just like really young. And I don't know, like what really sparked it. But my mom tried as hard as she could to make me go a different direction, but you know, I'm stubborn and and strong-willed so um yeah I would play I grew up on a farm so I would play with the horses mane and tails and I would braid their hair I would put bows in their hair I mean it was just my thing I mean it just kind of has always been there for me I love it
0: so I mean I feel like that's pretty typical too with hairstylists it's
1: like they were
0: born to do to do this I, you know, it's always like the Barbie dolls and that's exactly, of course, I like started out, my grandmother was my uh, babysitter. um, And so I started out styling her hair every day, bless her heart. She probably (laughs) only had like four hairs on her head, but (laughs) hey, I was getting my practice.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my poor poor granddad got it bad too. Like my granddad (laughs) even got bows in his hair. So, you know, I love it. He's a trooper. (laughs) <laughs>
0: is always the first to support so did your mom did she want you to go to college
1: and take that route yeah I mean she really wanted me to focus more on like a more of a business career and yeah I just don't think she was real thrilled about me being a hairdresser but I think she knew she knew that was probably my passion and my talent but I don't know I think people just in this probably could come later on in the, in the talk here, but I think people have the misconception that hairdressers aren't successful or aren't going to be financially successful. And so I think it was more of a fear for her, but um, yeah. Yeah.
0: No, it's exactly where we need to start with this podcast. (laughs) I mean, that's exactly right. I feel like that's, that's just, it's, it's the, you know, stereotype that we have. And I do feel like in the last, you know, I don't know, I'm trying to think probably five years. I see a major turn on the industry and the stereotype. But, um, you know, I love that people like you are giving this industry a different stereotype for sure. I mean, people look at you and see just a wealth of knowledge. And so, um, and experience and all the things that you do, I feel like you do everything. So that's what
1: I want to talk oh, to you about. <laughs> I feel like I just um, wing it. <laughs> like, no. yeah, I, mean, I think that's what we all do for sure. Right. Right. Um, just, it.
0: um, so you owned, I know you owned a salon in North Carolina before moving to Nashville. Yeah. Um, how long did you think about making that decision before you decided to actually go for it, opening that salon there?
1: Well, it, it kind of happened. Over the course of a couple of years, really not not the decision to move to Nashville, but I had I, I actually went through a divorce, so I owned my salon, owned my salon, had our fabulous dream home, all these things, and then went through a divorce. And during that time, I just began traveling a lot, mostly like all over the world. But I always had my my favorite places that I love to come back and frequently visit. So Nashville was one of those places that I would just do quick getaways. You know, for the weekend, yeah. and I think it was around 2014. I was in Nashville almost every single month, at least once, at least once for a weekend, almost every month the entire year. And so, the final decision I made actually just happened very quickly. I was just said, you know what, I should just move there. And I think it was about six weeks later I moved, partially moved. I'll say that. Um, within within a month or two, I I got a place that I was staying part time. So I was traveling mm-hmm. back and forth. So every two weeks, it's like I would come to Nashville for two weeks and try to build clientele. And then I'd go back to North Carolina for two weeks and I would make my income and you know, just continue supporting right. myself that way. So it was really, really difficult, but the decision was pretty sporadic actually. I mean, it was just like, oh, I'm gonna do this now. <laughs> So yeah, here I go. (laughs) I
0: I think that must be just how our brains are wired because I feel like everybody's like, what made you decide to do this? I'm like, I mean, (laughs) I just decided to go for it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely, and I think in this industry, it can very much be to your benefit to not have fear, to just be, Mm -hmm. you know, jump now or like do it now. Think about it later. (laughs) I mean, that's just kind of the way I am. And, uh, Luckily and, and I'm blessed to say it's worked out to my benefit. But I do think it's really important and just like believe in yourself and do it. Just just try it. So
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, tell do you have any advice for people that want to open a salon? I feel like I get this question a lot, but it's kind of broad. But do you have any just like first thought advice on people that are like, I want to open a salon?
1: That is where I'll say, do as I say, not as I do kind of situation. Because like I said, I'm very much of a, let's just do this. I'm, I'm doing it. I'm going to rent this space and I'm going to figure it out where I do wish had I, if I had it to do over, I would have put in a bit more prep work when it comes to figuring out how I want my staff to run, figuring out exactly a, a good business plan for my finances and those kind of things. It can all to come, come together. If you do just go for it, but I do think it would have been much easier for me had I put a little bit of prep work instead of saying, I'm going to open this salon in a couple of months. I should have said a year from now, this is what I'd like for this to look like or six months from now. This is what I'd like for this to look like versus just do it and figure it out as you go. I'd say do a little planning and prep work and definitely know your your goal for. Is it something you want it to be small or is it something you want to have a huge space? For me, I, I've learned I very much like a small intimate setting. Um I like yeah. to keep, you know, just a few people with a great vibe. And I think kind of know that before you go into it. Yeah. Know what your vibe is. Know what you want to represent and and then get your get your ducks in a row and then go for it versus just like, I'm just gonna do this and figure it out. <laughs> so yeah, yeah that's um, that's my advice is and don't be afraid to ask for help. I know for me, I just I started so small that I thought, oh, I can handle all of this. I can handle The accounting, I can handle the scheduling. I can handle all this. And I'm a little bit a control freak about that kind of stuff. And I think it's really important and things will go so much smoother and could probably grow quicker if you reach out to people who have the expertise in ways that you don't and to rely on them for social media, for bookkeeping. Like it's okay to ask for help and hire help if you have to, like you have to spend money to make money, you know? So that's also my advice.
0: Absolutely. I think that's great. Um, I mean,
1: (laughs) I love that you said that we haven't
0: had that conversation and we definitely are the next time I'm in town, but, um, you said something about, I wish I would have known more about like, you know, the type of hiring that I want to do. And then you mentioned, I know now that my vibe is more of a smaller vibe. I feel like as a salon owner, I'm actually going through that exact thing right now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, realizing that those it's, it's, it's sometimes hard to find a, a large group of people that want what you want and want to see the vision that you want. So can you touch a little bit on that of like what you learned that like how what taught you that your vibe was that small intimate vibe of just a few powerhouses in your salon?
1: Um, I think it was allowing myself to be in a position where I think it was once I realized I was overwhelmed by um, well, you know, hairdressers, we do have typical hairdressers, you know, we do have a. a, a uh, I don't know what's the right word, not a stereotype, but, but hairdressers can be more on the dramatic side. And if you, if you hmm. have the wrong, if you have the wrong people that just don't match, I don't think everybody should be the same by any means. I love diversity. I like different people bringing different things to the table, but I find there's only a we only have a certain amount of personalities. What is it, like yeah. four or five typical types? And right. if you, when you have too many of just too many things going on, it's just, it's just overwhelming. Like, I think it's already a way more exhausting career than people think it is. And that's even hairdressers going into it. I think a lot of hairdressers going into it think it's, you know, have the misconception of I'm just going to dress up and look really cute every day and I'm going to have fun doing pretty hair and having fun with my clients. And it's actually really, really hard work. And it's even emotionally hard because you're also taking on that clients, you know, what they're going through in their lives. And when you put that on top of butting heads with other stylists or not having a really good energy, it's just it's just a miserable atmosphere. And I find yeah. that the more people you're surrounded with, the harder it is to protect that vibe. So Absolutely, I would say, like, ultimately, at the end, it just comes down to the smaller the space, the more you can protect the vibe. Like, I just feel like when you have a, a large staff with so many different personalities and so many different types of people, it's it's just exhausting. It can become exhausting. That's just for me and the type of person that I am. And I was really fortunate to find that out before taking on a big space that I, I couldn't handle.
0: Yeah, 100%. I think that's great. I mean, I know I'm going a little bit rogue here on on the what the topic is, but I I just think that is such, I mean, I get asked this question all the time, and it's really hard to explain to people. But, um, you know, I recently have in my own personal salon have gone through what I have been calling a, a clean out. <laughs> and I have sort of had to get rid of the people that didn't you know, want to live kind of the culture that I started with. And so I think you're exactly right. The more the people, the more saturated sometimes that culture can get. And hey, if, if, if there's a stylist that's listening or a salon owner and you have it down, you're like, I have a hundred employees and my culture just bleeds through and through. I want you to call me because I want to know also how you do that. Yeah, exactly. But I I agree with you completely, Melissa. I think that I mean that's such a great point. If you you know sometimes it's more important to keep that culture, um, you know, alive within you know just a few people rather than having a ton of people and it and it just becoming very saturated and you know your clients aren't enjoying their experience whenever they come into the salon.
1: Right, and then it's kind of like too. It's um. I mean, of course, it, it's enticing to. To know if, you know, I create this massive space with all these stylists, like financially, it can seem so rewarding. But for me, I think my life, my life and my livelihood and my energy and how I feel about myself and about just the way I live and do things is so much more important to me than than like the financial aspect of it. So I think just it kind of goes back to self-care. Like, I want to know that the environment I'm in is just really positive and happy and not stressing me out. And oh, to that wow. is so rewarding beyond. And I think if you create that space, then you're going to be rewarded financially because you're giving the clients an exceptional service um, yeah. versus it's like quality versus quantity sometimes, you know. So,
0: yeah, one thousand percent. I I remember I mean, just a, probably a couple of months ago. I realized when I walked into the back door of my salon that I was dreading when I turned that doorknob and it was because of the people inside of it. I knew I had to do something different. I knew it was time to go back to the the core values of what the business is built around and and, and also also like the mission statement. I'm a big like mission statement girl when it comes to running a business. I'm like, what are we here to do? It's to serve our clients, make our clients feel beautiful. I feel like on the inside and the outside, of course, but, um, you know, I just... Knowing, realizing and remembering what you're there to do, I think is so important.
1: Yeah, for sure. I like so to know what that people that? feel special. I like to know that they feel special when they walk out and I feel special when they walk in. You know what I mean? Like they're yeah. coming. to. Yeah. So, yeah, I love that
0: no one's, I feel like no one is ever disappointed to see their hairdresser. Like I, you know, the doctor, I don't really want to see the lawyer. I don't want to see the hairdresser. Right. I'm always happy to see my hairdresser.
1: Right. For sure.
0: So what advice would you, do you wish that you could tell your younger self when you first got into this industry?
1: Um, I think. I would say I'm, I'm I'm better now, like now I finally have this in order. But if we talk about early in my career, the things I could have done different, I will say start out like you can hold out. And that's because when I was in North Carolina, of course, it was a, a small town. It was a much different atmosphere, a much different price point, a much different clientele. But I worked myself crazy. And I still like I do work hard here. I work very hard here, but I feel like you're actually being paid and rewarded for the types of services you're giving where there, it was just so different that just to make a decent income in North Carolina, I was, you know, working six days a week and sometimes 13 hours a day. And I would say, don't ever put yourself in that position that you're burning yourself from both ends. Like you have to have a life. If you have a If you have a family, you have to support, you have to nurture that family. Your career can't be number one. Money can't be number one. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the thing I wish I would have done differently because I I burnt myself out. I actually um, did just kind of have, no, I wouldn't call it a breakdown at all because it was an accumulation of things with work as well as my marriage ending where I just shut down. I said, I'm closing. I can't do this. I have to leave town. And I left town for about three and a half months. Um, And just rested and prepared myself to come back. And since time, and it also gave me a chance to like redistribute my clientele and and start over, basically. And so I think to avoid having that kind of burnout, just be patient with the busyness will come when it's time. If you're doing good work and you're being, you know, consistent and you're loyal to your clients you're not canceling appointments here and there you're actually there when you're supposed to be there the busyness will come that schedule will be booked in a matter of a couple of years but don't try to rush it and make a you know work yourself to death
0: yeah absolutely i always say you can't pour from an empty cup so. right exactly That was, I mean, like I said, that was me yesterday. I don't ever watch, especially Netflix. I never binge, but I I just decided on a cook yesterday. I was like, all right, I got to fill my cup back up or my coworkers are going to hate me come Monday morning.
1: (laughs) Well, it's funny you say that because that's actually what happened. I recently had, and I mean, this, I'll say this because this could be useful to the, to the situation we're in. Um, I recently had a, a salon meeting with my girls and It was actually amazing and became very heartfelt and it was emotional and there were tears and it all kind of came down to for the past two months. I've just been really focused on learning some new techniques. And obviously, you know, I'm working with the Harper Ellis method and and I've got some other certifications and I'm switching over our entire scheduling and accounting system. And I'm hired. I've hired an assistant. I've had all these things and I am not kidding, probably since the middle of July. So it's been over, over two months. So probably by the middle of July until just last week, I've done nothing. Well, I'll take that back. I did take off to Mexico, so we can't feel, but so sorry for me. But mm-hmm. other than that, I've done nothing but the salon. I've not been social. Mm-hmm. I didn't go to dinner. I wasn't doing anything to the point that I wasn't myself. And the girls told me that they were like, listen, we don't know which Melissa we're getting today. And we, you know, we need you to take some time off and not like it wasn't that I needed to be. I needed to be away from the salon because even when I'm not there, I'm doing book work. I'm writing up co- consent form. Like I'm doing all these new things where yesterday I just went out and I had brunch and I just let go of everything. I didn't do anything involving the salon. And I feel so relieved today. Um, I love it. So it's like your staff will know don't know when you're not being yourself and it it reflects in everything you're doing not only like the way you're running your business but the way you're even doing hair so yeah 100%. yeah 100%
0: but I they called that. me yeah. out
1: i mean they called me out i thought i was like hustling and i'm being a boss and they were like wait a second you are but you need to chill out <laughs> <I like> you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right you that. need to, you
0: need to chill out <laughs> so I'm, yeah. I'm at your team i feel like they are like real people. And I I mean, you're, you're lucky in that aspect. They let you know how they feel. And I think that's important. You know, you want that from a staff. I, I would love for my staff to come up and say, Hey, you're, you're a psycho. We would like for you right. to not come in tomorrow. Right.
1: right. Well, that's another thing I will say that I would, I would, re, I would recommend or advise doing a little differently than I did in opening my business is that, well, you know, what kind of staff you want and you know, what vibe you want to create, but also it's okay to Establish some boundaries because while I'm so thankful that I have that type of relationship with my girls, I also know there's been places where I've been too much of a friend and not enough boss. So I do think it's good to kind of establish that boundary in the beginning, but do know that you're approachable, you're comfortable, they're comfortable telling you how they feel, you're comfortable telling them how you feel. But I do think this kind of growth and success for this shop kind of happened unexpectedly. And I didn't have those, I didn't have those ground rules. And I do think that's necessary. And I do think I should have done that different.
0: That advice was gold. I hope (laughs) every salon owner just listened to that. Because that is a a piece of advice I actually learned late, too late, you know. Right. Had to go back and go, okay, never mind. We
1: are not friends anymore. I am your boss. Right. Um,
0: And it's hard to go back.
1: It's hard to, it's hard to step back from that. Like you can't just step back. And it's
0: also hard not to be people's friend because you love them. I mean, I I love people I work with. My salon team are not just my friends they're my family. Right. And I mean, they take care of me when I'm down. I have friends that don't do what they do. And so, you know, it's, it's hard. What do you have any, like, what's some advice like on that? On keeping that separate of like, this is the boundaries. How, How do you create that relationship?
1: Oh, that's, you know, it's honestly hard for me to answer that because I'm I'm navigating through that right now. Like I'm really trying to figure out. And I think, so my advice would be, that's what, that's why I say, like, if you're thinking about opening a salon, <laughs> figure it out before you open, because it's so much harder once you already have that t- Cause I'm saying my, my girls, they're like, they're my best friends. And that is very, very hard. They're, they're the girls that literally when my house, I was on a, I was on a video shoot and there was a flash flood in my, in my neighborhood. And those girls were over here at my house, ready to get my clothes out of the house. I mean, they're, they're there, they're solid. And it was just like, so it's hard to go back and have to, you know, be like a bit of an authority towards them because that is hard. So I don't, I can't really give a solid answer on that right now because I'm learning it Literally right now in the process of trying to figure out what is the best way to fix this. But moving forward now, yeah. with th- this aside, with anyone new coming in, I have just gone through and created all these new forms and confidentiality agreements and, you know, all these types of things just to, where when I, if somebody wants to come work here. Hey, this is this is what you need to expect from the very beginning. And then it kind right. of rules out having to have those uncomfortable conversations in person. Um mm-hmm. That I would say that like kind of kind of like have it on paper of what you expect. And some people would rather know, even if it's something that might make them uncomfortable of, oh, I have to do X, Y, Z. But I didn't have to do that. at my other salon. Well, this salon you do. You either are comfortable with it or you're not. And then you move forward. And then if you have an issue, you can always refer back to, hey, this is what we talked about from the very beginning. Versus an emotional friendship argument of you know, well, this isn't the way it was supposed to be. You always kind of already know from the beginning. So uh, you and I
0: are actually going through the same exact salon owner stuff. But um, I mean, someone t- told me not long ago, um, I said, don't ever assume people know what you expect. Tell them what you expect. And since then it has changed all of my businesses to no end i'm like oh my gosh that's so true i can't expect people to just automatically know what i expect from them and not tell them so same with me i've got it on paper i've got it they sign it i sign it it's a it's a conversation i mean there's no questions asked so i think that's i think that's it makes a world of difference it really does uh yeah, and also side note, we're gonna come back in like six months, and we're gonna do a whole nother podcast on uh friends, boss, or both. <laughs> That's what oh. it's gonna be called.
1: <laughs> oh, I love it! I love it! Oh <laughs> man, I mean, but yeah. I am—I'm the one who want—I want to be both. I do so, yeah.
0: and I'm determined. Yeah.
1: Do- yeah, I'm determined to believe, and this can work, and it can be successful. But yeah, everybody has to have a mutual respect for each other. Totally. Um,
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm seriously, I'm running it down. Like, I'm Um, (laughs) giving. I love love that. You have great, such great advice. You're so real, so raw, which is why I loved you from the minute I met you. But
1: same.
0: (laughs) I want to talk a little bit about, as far as other stylists um, that may have a similar story to yours, like that they left their current location and, you know, relocated. What advice do you have
1: for them? Honestly, I would say if your dreams are to open a salon in a big city or work with a certain type of clientele, if it's Nashville or Los Angeles, country music industry or movie industry or I- anywhere, the point is if you're going to a new place and you're walking into a new salon, you're they don't know you. They don't know what you've previously done. It doesn't matter if you've been the most amazing hairdresser in your city. You're going to a new place and you have to be prepared to earn it. You have to be prepared to, to prove yourself. and. Yeah. Don't be big headed like honestly've I've interviewed some people recently that I feel like as as someone coming into my salon with zero clientele, it, you know they want a certain amount of money per hour want these expectations and I'm like, that's just not realistic to me. I moved to Nashville and I worked at I worked in a salon for ten dollars an hour and that was me coming from being a salon owner for over 10 years already. But yeah, it wasn't great. And I didn't love it. And I had to go back to North Carolina every two weeks to make real money. But you do what you have to do. Like, you have to earn it if you want to make a name for yourself. Or not even make a name for yourself, just to prove to your own self that you can do it. You have to earn it. You can't just expect somebody's going to walk in and, you know, be like, hey, will you do my hair for a music video? Like, it's not going to happen. And I do think some people think oh I'm just gonna you know walk in and it's gonna bounce in my lap and it's not you have to work hard and I think like I said before people don't realize how hard of work it actually is they think it they see the fun the fun side and it's just all pretty Uh and glam and it's not (laughs) it's work so yeah
0: absolutely I mean that's the truth I mean you're you're there for a job
1: um you know
0: even like you said you mentioned the country music industry I mean those people are there, you know, to you're you're there to do a job for them. So, right, you know, but you're exactly right. People don't sometimes, and and I don't know. How, I never want to say like it's recent generations or anything like that, because um, I feel like it's a little bit of everybody. It just depends on kind of your background. But I've experienced that as well. I mean, it's just kind of like I want this and that, but I don't necessarily want to do the work to get there. Which is why not everybody experiences a success so can you tell me a little bit about how you built your clientele whenever you moved to nashville
1: um well initially like i said i was working i was assisting a lady um she had a salon kind of in the same vicinity that i'm in now. It wasn't on music row but it was in that area i was assisting her and just kind of word of mouth honestly i had this one one or two clients that just when they loved you they told everybody so luckily um, I was doing really well with, it was a guy and a girl and they just began telling everybody they knew. And one thing led to another, it was just like word of mouth. I've never advertised or anything. So I had to establish a lot of my own clients, a lot of the younger, the younger crowd. And then also the lady I was working for was she moved away. So a lot of her clients began coming to me as well. So I really just got very blessed with that. Um, and then Moving here, I wouldn't say it was like my main goal to say I want to work with, you know, the industry. Of course, it was always a dream. And I mean, even for in high school, I remember talking about it. My sister reminded me I used to talk about that in high school. But I would say the draw was more just to be in Nashville, be in a, a new city. Um, and it sounded amazing, but I didn't ever really think it would happen. And then before I knew it, just through word of mouth. I um, ended up working with an artist's wife and just had a great relationship with her. We actually became really great friends. And and then she's told other people about me. And um, I mean, it just kind of happened. This, you just, I was lo- committed and did my job and you know, it was, I didn't yeah. talk about people's business and you know, it was just like reliable and you could confide in me. And I don't know. I think it was just kind of, just yeah. fellow people. I mean the people that I work with that are in the industry, they're almost they're kind of we're like each other. It's it's really crazy. Like they've become friends because they're just amazing people. And uh yeah. it's just it's just stuck. I mean I've consistently, you know, kept working with the same few people and it's just done well. I don't really know how to how to really say yeah. it happened other than just I worked hard for it and then but I think the I, biggest thing is just be consistent.
0: Yeah, I mean I think I think you told us exactly how you got there. I mean, I think, like you said, the reliable, the professional, the, all the things that you are, I mean, I think that's exactly why you got
1: where you are for sure. And protect the people, protect the people you're working with. You know, I think that's, I would say definitely when you're in that, when you're in that industry, you're working with people that are, you know, higher profile people, you have to be so careful to make sure they're comfortable with, you know, like I'm, I've never sought out, like I've never reached out to an artist or to someone that's a high profile person and been like, please let me, you know, get in my chair. Like, I think they feel more comfortable if they, it's always a better circumstance if they've just been referred to you versus you going out seeking that because it shows like eagerness is great, but I also want, they want to know that your intentions are pure, you know? Right.
0: Absolutely. And I mean, I've seen you in action with, some of your celebrity clients and I I mean, that's, that's what you do. You make sure you protect them and they're, they're your people, they're your clients. And I think that's huge.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think it's just like, you know, your relationships first and then like, and then the, the, the success will come if you, of course I'm human. I make mistakes and do stupid stuff all the time, but I think if you really try to just be as genuine as you can, like success is going to come. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. So, I mean, I feel like you've had so much success. I mean, what's what's your next goal? Like what, what's next for Melissa? I, I honestly want to know myself.
1: <laughs> oh, well, honestly, I'm kind of been toying around and I, I mean, I don't know how soon this would happen, but it's funny because we were, we're Sweet Melissa Salon. Like we were established, I established in 2017 a Sweet Melissa Salon. But when we switch over to our new location, I actually sort of renamed it um, Sweet Melissa Midtown. And reason for that is because I would love to see maybe one day being a little bit of a chain. Like I said, I don't like a big salon environment. I'd rather have a couple of little small salon environments. So Mm. I don't know, maybe one day have a second location or even a third. But that's just kind of like off in the distance of dreams right now. But like I said, it started with me renaming it. I was like, okay, this is going to be Melissa Sweet Melissa Midtown and maybe we'll have Sweet Melissa Franklin or Sweet Melissa Atlanta. Like, you just never know. So yeah. that's kind of where I I'm at right it. now. And then just, I um, yeah.
0: I want to work in your vibe. Your vibe is awesome. I loved being in your salon. Um, so I like to ask every guest on the podcast about stereotypes, because obviously that's kind of why this um, whole entire brand, We're Just Hairdressers, was born. Um, do you have your own version of this, like your own, your own story? Um, anyone that has ever shamed you of being a hairstylist and so on?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, and even, I mean, I would say since COVID has happened in the quarantine and everything, people have changed their tune for how important hairdressers actually are. So this year I think has been huge for us as hairdressers to realize how valuable we actually are. But prior mm-hmm. to this year, I mean, even as recent in the past year or two, I, mean, I have people just, um, I'm single. So in the dating life, it's been hard for me. I've had men completely not take me serious when I say I'm a hairdresser. I've had, oh, that's not a real job. Or, oh, you just get pretty and go to work. or <laughs> You know, the, but the biggest story that stands out in my mind is uh, I had a client in my chair. This was years ago. But a client in my chair and she was telling me she was a young girl um, about to graduate high school and she wanted to go to school to be a hairdresser. And at this time I was living in my dream home that my husband and I had built. Like it was, it was a successful time for us. But she said, I really want to go to beauty school. But my dad said, absolutely not. That is not prestigious enough. And mm-hmm. I was like, I just looked at her and i was like, do you do realize you're speaking to your hairdresser? <laughs> and I don't know why that's just always stuck with me as that people think that's not you know, a prestigious job. I mean, the fact that if you're doing what you do and you do it well, you're confident confidant for people. You're somebody that makes people feel beautiful. You can literally change someone's life as a hairdresser. And I just think mm-hmm. it's, is sad that we get that stigma of, of course, the wild, oh, hairdressers are wild and they're unreliable. And I'm like, I feel like that's so the opposite of who mm-hmm. I am or who I want to be. So that's always been hard for me.
0: Yeah, um, I completely agree. I love that. I've said this before in a podcast, but I have I have friends that have their doctorate and I have friends that have their law degree. And they're like, man, I really missed the bus on this whole cosmetology thing. And I'm like, yes, you did. <laughs> it's true. So, but, I mean, as far as like, you know, we talk a lot about wealth and finances on here. I know lots of hairdressers that make well, you know, way more than most people with college degrees. Yeah. You know, if you want to talk about wealth, but not only that, our, our job is fun. So, I mean, it's well, a that's win-win.
1: Where, <laughs> I looked at her that day and I said, you know what? I said, and I, I just, the best, my response was because she kind of had a little, she had a little, you know, she had a little air to her and I love her and I still yeah. love her to this day. But, you know, and I said, well, listen, I'm living in my dream home. I, I make my schedule. I pay my bills. I travel. I'm like, I think I got it pretty good. And then she just looked at me and she was like, wow, yeah, you're right. And unfortunately, she went on to go do the college degree that her parents wanted her to do. And here we are, you know, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years later, she's not working with that degree. She didn't even, she's not even used that degree. She went back to school for something completely different. So if you want to be a hairdresser, be a hairdresser and just do your best and do what you love. So
0: absolutely. Absolutely. And I feel like, you know, when you get to the place that you like you where, where you are at, people take you seriously because, I mean, you're killing it. You're killing it all the way around. So I want people to know that is listening to this. All the stylists, where can they find you as far as tell us what your social media is and all of that so they can connect with you?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. So it's it's Sweet Melissa Midtown is just our only um, Instagram right now. And mm-hmm. and then we just have Facebook um, Sweet Melissa Salon in Nashville, Tennessee. And we really need to pick it up on the tip, TikTok and Twitter and all that, but we don't have any of those accounts right now. We just have <laughs> com for our website and then sweet Melissa midtown yeah. in for Instagram and just sweet Melissa salon on Facebook.
0: I love that. I hope that every side was listening and clients too. I've learned lately that clients, a lot of clients listen to these uh, podcasts, which I think is really cool, but I want them to know where to find you. I, like I said earlier, um, when I met you, I literally looked at Caroline and like, she's so real. She's so cool. And I loved our conversation that we had today because it's what stylists, salon owners, people wanting to get in the industry, people already in the industry, it's what they need to hear. People like you that have, I feel like, such a great attitude and outlook on things and kind of been there, done that. So I appreciate everything that you had to offer today. And, you know, there's the wealth of knowledge that you have.
1: Thank you so much. And I just want to say one thing real quick. And it's really awesome. And this is why I appreciate you so much, because it's reminded me that hairdressers, while we might get the weird, you know, or the terrible stereotypes of being drama and all this kind of stuff, we're actually really can be very supportive of each other. And I love that. Like even here in Nashville with so much competition, and there's so many incredible hairdressers in this town. Like there's, there's some that I'm just great friends with and I've loved seeing their work. I love seeing what they do. And I think it's so cool for hairdressers to support each other versus feeling like super in competition with each other all the time.
0: And I think you're Um, really bringing
1: that value out. Even with the podcast, the way you come into, you came into my salon and made me feel so special and just like important to work with you. And I just like, it made me, it really did a lot for me. So I appreciate you too.
0: Oh, I love that! Well, It's an honor to work with you. I just think that you're awesome. Everything you're doing is incredible. So, but thank you again, Melissa. And I can't wait to well see you soon now. But I can't wait to talk to you soon and everyone to hear this podcast.
1: All right. Well, thanks so much. I look forward to a couple weeks from now.
0: Yeah. Thanks for listening to episode six of We're Just Hairdressers. I'm Tara Harville, reminding you that building wealth from behind the chair is attainable.